0: right hello and welcome to the todd and taylor show i'm todd a i'm taylor trask and this is another coffee and comics edition uh where we talk about the coffee we're drinking and then we talk about the comics we are reading how are you doing taylor
1: i'm lovely we were just chatting offline i uh if you haven't yet go to amazon prime right now and watch the rose parade as hosted by cord and trish or tish um Nothing to do with comics whatsoever, but it is it is funny. It's Will Fer- Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon, and I was just right prior to this. I was waiting for my my lovely Windows ten update to finally take hold, so I was having that in the background, and I'm going to continue watching that uh, later today too. How but about this you? Is the, this is our
0: first uh, show of the new year of 2018. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is this the what is this the third calendar year that we have done this show?
1: I think. we We started we started this uh goodness gracious i think june of 2015 i think it's june wow okay somewhere around there and then yeah because then we 2016 yeah 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 That would because we started
0: fourth calendar year that we have done the show in
1: 16 17 18 yeah Yeah, we're getting close 17
0: 18 that's amazing um Anyway, so yeah, the Rose Parade be a great way to kick off uh, the new year.
1: Give <laughs> to <laughs> yourself a favor, start the new year right. No, it was it was great. It's just like it's fun to. The only reason I, I really bring that up is it's it's kind of fun to acknowledge that we live in a world now where even things like the Rose Parade, we don't you know, it's not appointment TV. You can just watch it any old time. Um, True. You know, it's like you can. I just I this idea of having to like be in front of your screen at a certain day and time it's just it's such a such a novel concept i was home over christmas and like my parents still have regular cable and a lot of that you know if we had to like you know if we were going to watch a movie on hbo or something we had to like go, okay at eight o'clock we'll all gather around <laughs> you know it's just it's such a weird weird archaic notion um i'm sure at some point some hipsters will you know they'll, they'll call it slow tv and they'll make it a big popular thing again
0: Now we're talking. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'll be like a retro thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll tell you what, this is uh, the most excited I've been to talk about the coffee portion Ah. of our show. So I just want to jump into that. What are you drinking this morning?
1: Well, this morning I'm drinking uh, some of the fruits of my Christmas bounty. Um, There is a lovely little coffee shop near my hometown of Wall, South Dakota, and they serve Bad River Coffee. It's the Bad River Coffee Company, which is based uh, in in the area. And they have some really good beans and they actually have a, a mug that has their logo on it. So I'm drinking Bad River Coffee, uh, Aeropress, Aeropress of the Bad River Coffee in my Bad River mug. And I am quite content. How about you? Um, well, I you, you and
0: I talked uh, earlier this week and I told you that one of my New Year's resolutions is to learn how to make a decent cup of coffee for myself.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: and uh, you also know that I... I Prefer the iced coffee. Uh, anyone who listens to this this show knows that I prefer iced coffee. I don't like hot liquids. That's the devil's temperature. Um, and <laughs> were so, you wait,
1: were you were you somehow traumatized as a kid by that one old lady who went through McDonald's and like burned her? crotch or whatever and had to sue she was like the big lawsuit <laughs> against mcdonald remember that that was like the big deal it's like she sue and then i remember every time my family would go through the drive-thru and we'd get coffee or something like we'd all have to be like okay now be very careful because it might burn us as well like it just that seems like that was like a big thing when we were kids that or at least when i was a kid like back in the day
0: you know i just uh, I, I keep with um traditional mormon values i have <laughs> i have eight wives uh, I don't drink hot liquids because that's the, uh, devil's temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, um, you know, I'm not a big soup fan. I, I don't really, I don't really care for, you know, hot, hot liquids like that. Um, yeah. So, uh, and iced coffee is, you know, like that's what got me into coffee. Um, and anyway, so I was very excited this morning. Cause so, so I've really diligently for the past week approached this new year's resolution. Um, Talk to some coffee nerds that I know about why it is that I actually prefer Starbucks iced coffee, why I don't like most cold brews. Um, although I did have one the other night that was pretty good. It was a homemade one. Um, and uh, anyway, also uh, the other night on Friday night, uh, my friend Aris said, Hey, we were talking about different, uh, he was the one who served me the cold brew that I liked. And um, we were talking about different, uh, you know, like my challenges with making a good cup of iced coffee and he gave me this great suggestion that i was so excited to try this morning which was uh to ice some like to literally make ice cubes out of some coffee Ooh, i like that and i was like oh that's a great idea because i often when i do it myself it's um it's a little too like watery often Mm -hmm. um anyway so i have gone through all this stuff the the tips i got this week i'll keep people updated if they give a shit (laughs) (laughs) the tips i got this week were i uh i i've um, I, a friend had told me that maybe what I like about Starbucks is that they, they over roast their beans. Ooh, and, good point. And maybe that's what I actually like is that sort of burnt over roasted flavor. And it's, you know, and which I like too, because it makes it sound like I actually have a palate for this thing. Well, so, well that's
1: funny though. That's usually the reason people don't like Starbucks. Like, oh, exactly.
0: Tastes- like a coffee nerd wouldn't like that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I went to a, a Starbucks and spoke to a, a barista and um, she told me, I told her, you know, some of my travails in this and she said, try the Kenyan blend. So that's mm. what I'm doing right now. So I got the yeah. Kenyan blend I've made several, several pots this week. Uh, and actually the one I've got right now might be the best one. So I got my, I iced some of those last night mm-hmm. uh, and uh, made this today. And it's just the Kenyan and the, and some 2% milk. Cause that's what I had in my fridge. Um, yeah. And I'm sort of taking notes on all this, you know, I'll try some whole milk after this run of experiments and uh you know i'll try the guatemalan next because that's what she told me also might be good um but if but we opened our our chat before we started recording and you may have heard me cursing because <laughs> when i iced the coffee last night like when i poured it in my ice cube tray um mm-hmm. it was cool it was cool at the time i didn't pour hot coffee into it like a plastic tray um mm-hmm. And, and then iced it but apparently that like just doesn't break out like normal ice does so i'm like twisting the tray and i was like you son of a <laughs> like what it's like it's just lodged in there like and i'm like cracking the tray trying to get the cubes out uh this is all happening while taylor's on the line and then uh and then then i had the sense to just leave the tray sitting there while i finished the rest of the cup and they of course loosened and i pulled them out and put them in the cup so anyway yeah it's uh it's pretty rich i'm pretty happy with it this morning
1: you uh this is you're you're stumbling on to one of the most attractive elements of coffee which is sort of the chemistry that goes into it you know it's like the more you start to tinker and tweak with you know heats and time and like it just that's honestly to me the drinking of it is obviously useful and all that like we have we have a a friend uh in portland who he refers to he prefers to coffee as just a caffeine distribution system. He doesn't really care what it tastes like, or he doesn't, he, he doesn't bind all the bullshit of like, you know, like an arrow press would just bore him. But like, for me, it's just like, okay, like the more, the more technically intricate it is. And th- in fact, I would even go so far, like the, uh, my, one of my favorite breaking bad episodes is the one where Walt shows up at the lab for the first time, Gus's lab and Gail's there. And like, they start their working day and he walks over to like this sort of big chemistry set. And he's like, what's this? And he's like, ah, and he, and basically Gail shows Walt how he's making the perfect cup of coffee, like using chemistry. And I was just like, that is the sexiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and granted so, like for the show, like they added a lot of extra, like, you know, bits and bobs and things. Like if you wanted to do what Gail did in real life, it wouldn't be nearly as complicated, but it just looks so cool. And I'm so I'm like, that's actually that just seeing that, like I'm so susceptible to some things. Like I just saw that. And it just baked into my mind this like in inescapable need to like be geeky about coffee. And so well, like the last three years, it's kind of been where, where my head is. Yeah, that's I, I,
0: I like that I've resisted becoming that person for a long time. Um, you know, because as a non when I was a non-coffee drinker, it, there was I had this definite feeling of like, I will never get someone else's cup of coffee right, you know, whether <laughs> I'm making it or just ordering it. Like everyone yeah. has their own little, you know. set of (laughs) demands that they want from the barista and you'll never repeat it right you know Mm -hmm. you do those office coffee runs it's like and a half-calf upside down decaf latte I don't remember Um, but uh, but I did know when I sort of finally made the leap from tea to coffee that one thing I did like about it was oh it's always a little different like you know the person that makes it always makes it a little bit different for me even if it's just iced coffee and they're pouring it out of a you know a pitcher like just the chemistry between like the milk and coffee and syrup or whatever would be Mm -hmm. different so um that was probably helped me get in this mindset Uh, i do like the way you put it about chemistry i hadn't thought about that and it reminds me of this great passage from john hodgman's vacation land which i've been reading
1: (laughs) where he talks
0: about why he prefers liquor to wine because uh liquor is chemistry you know where someone has figured out how to um you know uh distill it and everything to make this perfect uh, this perfect liquid, whereas wine is like religion and it's just murky and nobody understands the magic <laughs> to it. And it's it never really, you know, you can't ever really have the same experience. And uh, the expensive ones are just as, you know, might be worse than the cheap ones. And yeah, I uh,
1: somewhere the Saumonier community is shouting out in terror all together like, how dare you? That's not right.
0: John Hodgman. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> send um, your letters and complaints to John Hodgman, care of whatever the hell his his little empire is called. Yeah, Judge John Hodgman. Judge John um, Hodgman. You just just, send, just put that. No address is even needed. You just send it to him. They'll know. <laughs> They'll know where to go. But anyway, uh, let's let's pivot because the the meat yeah. of the matter is the books we're reading um as well as the coffee we're drinking and i want to start with you because i'm curious we haven't talked for a while and i'm curious what's on your list i know you had a you did a big drawn and quarterly run on their sale and yeah your pick is from there but i just know you've been reading a lot lately
0: it is from Ah. the drawn and quarterly booty that i received um yeah so i i've been uh uh this has been sitting on my bedside table for a while, and it is definitely a single sitting read, but it's one that I will go back to and that anyone who reads it will go back to. Uh, it is called Moon Cop. Uh, oh. by Tom uh, Gold. or I have this feeling that his last name is probably pronounced Goad or something like that, but it's G-A-U-L-D, mm-hmm. uh, Gold, maybe. But he's a Scottish author, um, and... It is just uh, so a couple, maybe, maybe in our last coffee and comics, but very recently I talked about, uh, Johnny sons, uh, every, everyone's an when you're a Alien two mm-hmm. and moon cop is, uh, it's not about aliens, but it has, uh, I don't know. It just gave me that same feel probably. Cause I come to this from so many like hard sci-fi or not hard sci-fi, but a uh, fantasy sci-fi books you know like saga and um and superhero books so reading everyone's alien and then reading this back to back we're like oh yeah there's like different ways to talk about aliens and space and um it's just it is a very primarily a visual book and his style is really cool it is basically like um Almost like a, a newspaper. I wouldn't. I, maybe not editorial cartoon, but um, yeah, definitely not editorial cartoon because those are those like caricature things. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, I'm thinking like New Yorker kind of cartoons. And yeah, stuff like that. that.
1: That's a good. I'm I'm looking at it. I'm looking yeah. at your screenshots while you describe it. I remember this is a book that you always kind of tend to see in comic shops and like their hardbound sections. So I always I always pass by the cover. Yeah. Um, I'm glad somebody's finally read it because I've always been curious.
0: Yeah, same and exactly the same. Like when that when Drawn and Quarterly did their Black Friday sale, I, I gravitated immediately uh, towards this uh, because it, it was one that I had passed so many times before and thought that is a really pretty book, um, and I got to check it out. And yeah, I w- I'm so happy that I did. So yeah, his figures are almost like stick figure ish. You know, they're they're mm-hmm. built out a little bit and there's details on them like you know clothing and and uh, in this case like a breather breathing apparatus and helmet and stuff like that. Um, So it's not exactly a simple drawing. Um, You know, I mean, these are detailed drawings, but I guess the style is sort of simple and, uh, you know, and maybe this is more of like a, a European Kind of thing as well because he's he's Scottish even though I guess that's not really Europe that's just Scotland, um but <laughs> United Kingdom is that where all the Scots cry know. out
1: in terror and they're like the wine I know the country of Scotland, country of Scotland has been there,
0: <laughs> they're, they're I'm sure they're happy with my pronouncements about the chemistry of uh, a, a Scottish liquors, that's um
1: funny.
0: yeah, yeah uh, anyway it's so it just concerns as you might imagine a, a cop on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, it is uh, largely wordless. Like there are a lot of just panels of the habitats and vehicles and terrain of the moon with this sky dotted by the stars in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, it's, it's like, like of course, of course this is the conund- conundrum I always have when we do these is like, I don't even want to give away any of the plot because I think it's so cool, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know it's probably necessary. Um, so he's a, he's a cop on the moon. Um, there aren't a lot of people who have colonized the moon uh, and you can imagine there's not a lot of crime. So he <laughs> goes about his day. And you know he's just—it's just sort of a lonely little moon cruiser, sort of like uh, Luke's uh, sand speeder in um, uh, Star Wars Episode Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he just sort of floats around. He doesn't encounter anything, and then he goes back to the base and he reports on his computer. Uh, you know, r- 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 crimes—you um, f- know—discovered zero crimes, investigated zero, and it's always like your your crime solving rate is one hundred percent. So, uh, yeah, there is a, a plot to it, but it's just one of those nice, gosh, sorry, nice is such a terrible adjective to use in this case. Um, it's just a, you know, it's like an indie movie or like another indie comic where it's not, it's not an exciting, it's not like things are blowing up and, you know, there's, uh, emergencies to deal with or a lot of action. This is This is just sort of an existential look at, you know, what what if you were a cop on the moon and the moon had not really been colonized, you know, Mm -hmm. in the the early days of colonization, what would it be like? Um, So he, you know, he goes to the same lunar uh, donut um, dispenser, like a like a vending machine, and then one day this robot is removing the vending machine, and and the robot tells him, well, we're going to open a mini cafe here. And he's like, well, that's weird. There really aren't a lot of people who come here. And then, (laughs) you know, so then he starts going every day to the Lunar Donuts mini cafe. And they're all just in this like awesome little style of like, you know, it's it looks like a donut shop with a giant donut on top of it. But it's encased in a glass dome.
1: (laughs) Kind of looks like a snow globe. I'm looking at that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: Um, And then, of course, you know, he he and the uh, the don't the one person who works in the donut shop have this little. Relationship that they they develop, and and she says, you know, you're the only one who comes here, and <laughs> um, you know he requests a transfer. His transfer is denied because they they can't train anyone else to work on the moon. Um, it, it's uh, as he, you know, his housing is in these like sort of modular apartments, sort of like if you imagine on the Martian where uh, every little. Uh, Habitat was like a different sort of, you know, space RV, you know, they have like the lab and the living quarters. Oh, and yeah. Like that. So yeah. his is just this sort of stack of different apartments. And at the beginning, um, I, I think there are eight at the beginning as they show it, um, or maybe just four, but anyway, there, there are several sort of stacked on top of each other. Uh, but as people are leaving the moon or they're not able to rent these and stuff, the robots just come and take the modules away. So his, you know, um, there's just this great thing of like, he has to interact with the, I guess, like the super of his building, you know, about um, why his apartment has been moved. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a really wonderful book in that way. Um, is As you are looking at the pictures online, is there anything you would s- say, like to describe that, that art that I'm not doing a good
1: job of? Well, I just think um, it's worth noting that the color palette is entirely blue great. and gray. Yes. You know, like the, uh, the way they depict space is blue is that really deep kind of rich, dark blue. And then all the, um, all the line drawings are just gray and, and white, which is great. Cause it, it creates a sense of sort of, for me, at least it's, it creates a sense of loneliness and just sort of, you know, monotony, um, which I get, you know, if, if the story is him just kind of going about his day, a lot of the time, like it's, it's good to have that exist in sort of a sterile monotony, you know, monotonous kind of. Kind of landscape and just sort of you get caught you as a reader get brought into that a lot faster like i like the books where the there's an intentional graphic um uh sort of rendering that that enhances or layers on top of this you know the narrative itself that really sucks you in faster um so you can do that one question i had for you though based on just sort of the the brief synopsis and story point is is the is the is one of the themes or is the central theme um just man's inability to control his own destiny like you know being part of a system uh sort of surrendering to that system that kind of seems <laughs> based on like could, what you're describing
0: i think you could take that out of it um <clears throat> it's definitely not heavy-handed or okay. uh you know re- that's uh, you wouldn't come away with it exactly like that's the point of it but it might okay. be something that occurs to you as a reader you did hit upon one of the key words which is monotony and i think there's just something Uh, so cool, especially in this medium, like you described, like the color palette is monochrome between, uh, with only that dark blue, that deep blue is sort of the, you know, part of the monochrome palette. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's no other colors in it, just gray and grays and blues and whites. Um, And that adds to that monotonous feeling. um, And it is just that, that twist on Life in space is going to be super exciting. You know, it's mm. it's the opposite of that. It's like he has a day job, not a lot happens at his day job. He visits the same person in his coffee shop every morning, much like I visit the same baristas every morning. You know, <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's, you know, I love those. those. Um, I, I guess where I'm trying to tie that theme together with the Everyone's Alien book is. It, it is it is so simply rendered that mm-hmm. you might mistake it as being like a book for children, mm-hmm. but the subject matter is actually something that you're not going to appreciate unless you're an adult and have kind of experienced these things like the mon- monotony of a day job or sort of the loneliness of uh, you, you know your existence. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just incredible in that way where. It you know it it sort of sets a tone. It stays on that tone. There's a couple of really funny moments and a couple of little surprises when information's discovered. But there's you know nothing nothing super dramatic that happens.
1: I uh, I do like the fact that you know in in terms of graphic novels and comics, oh, mostly anytime space is involved, there's something exciting or mysterious yeah. or like you know life threatening. And it's like you know we always kind of associate space in a dramatized romantic nature and so it's kind of nice to see the medium produce something that is the opposite of that that's just mundane like look and this is what's what's great about that is the one the one side we need the one side we need the fantastical side to inspire us to reach higher you know like all of these everything from you know even on the movie side like star wars star trek but on the on the graphic novel side you know like all the black science which i know you're a big fan of um nowhere man there's just a lot of a lot of indie trades and things that that really romanticize space and we need that to 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 wonder and imagine what could be but this kind of thing is important too because honestly like when we start going out into the you know into the stars to colonize a lot of it's going to be probably this it's <laughs> just very you know it's kind of nice to juxtapose that with this is probably what it's going to more be like and we have to get used <laughs> to this too you know we have to kind of embrace you know embrace monotony embrace the fact that there's going to be a whole lot less of us in some of these situations you know for a while yeah. And uh, that's it, just, it's, it's prescient.
0: Yeah. And I, 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 another word occurred to me, which is, um, just sort of the absurdity of existence, you know, yeah. which is, which is so, well, I like that. uh, I, this does a great job of, um, you know, there's like this, there's this old Jerry Seinfeld bit where he talks about like only a man would bring a car to the moon. Like that's <laughs> such a man, a man thing to do. Like we went to a moon and it wasn't good enough. So we had to drive around on it. Like we were in a car. <laughs> and this is like uh, that's a funny uh, you know perspective on it but in another way it's just kind of absurd and like uh you know borderline like deranged mm-hmm. and this this gets to that point of like why would you put a cop on the moon when it's not even that populated um but but that's a thing that we would probably do yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know start colonizing it so some politician is going to go well what if someone steals all the science and yeah. so they're like, yep, we got to put a security guard up there. <laughs> you know, that's just wow. how it goes. And then it ends up that they're they're really doing nothing, you know. Like, there's just some great scenes in this, like just like sort of a, a multi-panel spread of, like, his little cruiser going across this vast, unpopulated moon desert, you know. <laughs> there's mm. just nothing there. And then one of the, like, funny ways that uh, uh, the author artist points out how absurd this existence is, is every once in a while, there will be like a tree or a plant and it's in one of those little snow globe domes, (laughs) (laughs) It's like we went to the moon and then we planted a tree, but of course it can't grow there. So we had to put it in its own little like terrarium on the moon. (laughs) So he's driving through this vast landscape and then he'll just pass like a tree. You know. One
1: of the things I always ask um, on this show is digital or physical, and I, I, from what oh. I'm understanding, I, I, I'm just going to guess based on what I'm seeing on, on Google Images. This is definitely something you'll want to get physically instead of digitally.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's um, I, it's really just not. It's it's not going to have the same impact. Also, like that Johnny Sun book. It's just you know you got to be holding it in your hands and kind of experience this uh, half hour, forty five minutes, or whatever it takes to you know go through the pages and and read it. So it is a good book. I, this is um one of those books too where I just want to lend it out, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so I think uh it, I understand, you know, we this is one of the things we've talked about maybe offline more than we do online about that like expense of um that's one of the things we've talked about buying trade paperbacks versus single issues. Is mm-hmm. you get you start buying a lot and it's like, oh man, you know, I, if I get into a story, single issues and I know I'm going to want the trade or do I keep buying the single issues? You know, yeah, they they yeah. need that in order to to create demand for the trade. But on the other hand, like I you know I already want the trade. Like I don't I don't want to spend double the money. Um, this one. So one of the things that's always been in the back of my mind as we've had those conversations is what of these books would I feel comfortable just sort of handing over to a friend and be like, read this, don't read it, pass it on, don't pass it on. Like I think you'll enjoy it. And this is one of those books where I'd like to just sort of send it out into the world and see if it comes back. You know.
1: That's great. And it looks pretty small too. It looks like it would fit on the shelf, like almost next to seconds or, um, you know, a smaller manga or something.
0: Yeah, it is. It is like a smaller format. It's really, I mean, um, uh, drawn and quarterly, uh, you know, are, um, very generous in their large books. You know I mean? You can, you can get some of these graphic novels. We've talked about Gita Leal and uh oh, I can't sorry. remember the, the dude that I just uh was talking about. Uh never mind, I can't remember his name. Um, but where it'll just be like a really thick book that's like beautifully published and you know, um hundreds of pages. And this is not like that. Like this is very slim. Um, like I said, it's it's a one sitting read. Uh it's something that I think you'll just, you know, if you're in the right mood for it, you're just gonna kind of get sucked in and just read it all at once. It you know it's going to be hard to sort of break up honestly, nice. Um, and it's maybe actually it, the pages are numbered, it's 94 pages, but it doesn't oh. even feel that way, you know. Okay, so yeah. Um, I, I, if you've got more questions for me, I'm happy to entertain them, but I, there's also not a lot I can say. Look up yeah. Moon Pop by Tom Gold and uh, you know, check it out yourself.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think I don't want to say anything more because I think it, I don't want to spoil it in any more any further way. Um, I just I do like I'm just looking again at some of these uh, page samples from Google Images, and I like the way the panels, the you know, kind of going back to the physical versus digital. It seems like you know with digital, you're always looking at one panel at a time. There are some books that you you kind of need to see all the panels in your peripheral view. Um, for reasons for the story and I'm looking this is this seems like one of those books where you kind of want to, yeah, kind of want to see it all flow in this way. And the way the panels are set up, it really kind of flows. Now, like I'm looking at one, this is probably page, yeah, page six and seven. And it just shows, um, there's not any physical people in it. It's just, you know, uh, different shots of the moon with different stuff on it. And just kind yep. of see and, and take that in. So I feel like, th- and this I go back to that because it's really, at, at this juncture, it's really important. Some books some stories you the the physicality of it and especially the flow of it really works better in digital versus physical or vice versa right but i always want to kind of come back to that because it really does affect how i personally enjoy uh enjoy these books and how others yeah. may may approach them too so that,
0: that is such a great way of describing that because i think with um i you know uh some superhero books mm-hmm. it's cool to kind of flip from panel to panel i mean the artists there all you know are very conscientious about making these beautiful layouts and full page versions and stuff. But sometimes you feel like you're not really going to lose something in the digital. But I think that's really what you gain reading moon cop in its physical form is you in your peripheral vision, you're going to see the panels ahead.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and it, uh, you know, it's not like you're going to see action in the corner of your eye and, and skip ahead to see what that action is. You're going to, you're going to like be in this world and realize even in
1: the periphery, like, it's
0: boring and monotonous and absurd. And it's
1: kind of like, well, if, to me, there's almost like a subgenre or a subclassification of some of these books that I almost like to call like um, uh, comics as an art installation, you know, where like it's, you have to, it, it, it's less. It's less like you know a movie or a TV show, you know the way that postal is. Like on a previous episode, I said, yeah, really read postal digitally because you're really just looking at storyboards and it's, right. it flows better. This seems more like you have to take it in, like if you were to go into a museum and just see this all printed out on the wall or like you know, represented like you know in, in, in framed versions. Like it almost kind of feels like you're ingesting that kind of uh, of experience versus just a straight narrative.
0: Yeah, I, I, I totally. No, that's a that's a great way of putting it. Um, yeah, uh, moon cop, Tom Gold, drawn a quarterly. Excellent. Uh, What is your book pick for this week?
1: Well, that my pick is something we've, I've mentioned and have name checked a few times in past Todd and Taylor episodes. It's one that I, um, dearly love, but it was a little bit hesitant because I always try to reread, uh, or read for the first time, the books that we talk about here. And this is one that, um, it kind of, it's one of the, the only, things that I own on my library that actually kind of unnerved me. Um, and so, and so going back through and rereading it, I was just like, I was, a little of that PTSD kind of drudged back up. Cause I was like, Oh God, this is, it's, it's very prescient and very relevant to today and where we are. Um, uh, but it's just like, but it's, it's, it's a book that I feel everybody who's involved in technology or, and especially AI and especially like just thinking about the future needs to read. And it's called Ancestor by Matt Sheehan and Malachi Ward. And it's the trade paperback. It's like the graphic novel that they put out. Now, this is important to note. Ancestor debuted in the Image um, Monthly Magazine Island. Yes. That, I don't know if they're still doing, but they did it for about a, a year and a half to two years in like 2015, 2016. Um, and it's a really oh, it's really cool. If you can go back, especially those first five or six islands. Um basically they it's that it's not a a new concept but they basically have this magazine it's you know it's edited and it has four or five different um different like single issue or or even like single page um stories that you know maybe like month one you see you know these these stories maybe month two continues two of those but introduces three more month three they come back and you know they they kind of keep picking up different story threads or different stories as, as the creators come up with them. It's a great way for creators to um, work on 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 maybe even really maybe even more obscure or more indie titles than images image would even be used to and get them in front of an audience in a way that's not going to um, you know be prohibitive. You're not buying you're not taking a gamble on a single issue and image isn't gambling on on publishing it, but they'll take four or five cool things that they think might have a chance put it in this island magazine for $7.99, and then you can introduce more stories that way. And and what's no, what's worth noting, I think all of the island-generated shorts have since been collected as trade paperbacks um, or just graphic novels in their own right. Um, I know three of my favorite stories from from those I, I now own, and this is one of them. And I remember when Ancestor debuted, the art style uh, was kind of different From what i was used to seeing the the coloring was really good the shading was really good just it had sort of a you know just a cinematic feel um but just it was it was kind of an art style i wasn't quite quite used to very engaging you know when we we've talked quite a bit about like if if the story is good but the art doesn't jive with me i usually you know like black science is a great example because i just don't like that art at this juncture i may you know 10 years from now i may i may love it but right now i just can't just doesn't appeal to me so i really can't dive into it the way you have and i know there's stuff that i like that you've you've mentioned the same thing so this is one of those where i'm like the art's really cool but the concept is is really 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 strong and it's a four four-part story and i i'm not kidding by saying each part is more batshit crazy than the part that preceded <laughs> it and it all has to do with this place sometime in the future and our our protagonist is just this man named Peter. And they live in a, and, and I would assume this is, you know, this could easily be 10 to 15 years from our future right now, considering how fast things are going. And it's a future where the entire internet, uh, and basically instead of carrying around a, your mobile phone, the, the entire internet and just kind of like the entire interface for for technology are these like floating globules that kind of like float around your head and they're they're all like wired into each other, wired into you. Um, so like, for example, they, you know, he, Peter joins his friends, they go to a bar and there's no bartender because what you do is you just walk behind the bar and you download different drink recipes and you can make your own drink, you know, just like right away. It's, it's just tapping into the internet without a physical interface. And these little globs just kind of float around your head and Peter, they, they kind of early on established the fact that Peter has these like kind of like panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And I think it's because he's you know in this sort of like, you know, he's just this guy who's organically had to live in this technologically driven world. Cause every, you walk around and everybody's got these little globules, you know? So you just see like these little like floating yellow, like droplets around everybody's head. And you never have to ask who this person is because as soon as you look at somebody, the globules will form the information and tell you who somebody is, or they'll tell you, you know, where they last were like, Hey, this is Katie. She just saw you 2 and came back from a U2 concert. So like, you basically have like Facebook at all times, you know, all around you for everybody. Well, they get invited, Peter and his friends, and like one of his friends in particular, invites them all to this party, uh, kind of out in the woods. And I'm imagining this to be like, you know, West Coast, you know, Oregon or Seattle, you know, very, very wooded, northwesty looking area. And they go out to this like compound mansion in the woods, and it's it's this um uh party sponsored by the guy who co invented the uh kind of the oh, what was his name? Uh, Matheson, uh, but they, he invented the technology or co-invented the technology that, you know, creates the, the globs, you know, like the, the human interface internet. So they're going to his party and right away they get there. As soon as they pass through his, his border, his property border, the, the system fails. Um, there's a service failure. Um, and, and they're like all of them, like their little globules stop working. They all kind of freak out a little bit and they say, oh no, that's a suppression field. So from that point on, they don't have access to all their information. So they're sort of having to readjust to just you know, existing in the world normally. And Peter, they the main guy, he actually, he actually kind of likes it. He's finally alone with his thoughts, his anxiety is a little bit better. So they go in, and I'm kind of I'm, I'm just kind of describing chapter one. They go in, they go to this party, there's tons of people there. Um, imagine like a party hosted by Elon Musk, you know, where there's just all these kind of very you know, wealthy VCs and cultural sort of you know celebrities and different thing and you know intellectuals and just all these people there. Matheson is there, the main guy, and you kind of realize that there's something quirky about Matheson. You know he's kind of speaking about utopian ideals and he's um, you know talking about like what they can do. And towards the end of chapter one, Peter goes down and his other friend is is down there and they 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 realize that all the doors have been locked and all the windows have been locked and nobody can get out and so you're like oh shit what's that about from this point on and i don't i don't want to get into the details but from this point on the entire book like you you get them the next chapter and it's like it it continues it's the same thread but it takes a wild turn in a completely different direction and you're like and you just sort of i don't want to spoil it because it really it really kind of throws me and then chapter three is even worse and what you realize is that this book is is slowly unveiling a horrific uh, view of what AI could be. Hmm. And what was really unnerving to me, and I will jump ahead a little bit. There is, there is a scene where Matheson eventually reveals to his guests um, this AI that he has created that looks really, it, it's just creepy looking. It's like, it's not a, it's, it's, not an android it's like it's got a humanoid form but it's got it's wearing this like star cloak and it's got like this weird almost pyramid looking head and he he introduces this thing and this ai <laughs> this ai basically proceeds to remake humanity in a way that it sees fit because it's it it thinks that there's imperfections with humanity and so it really stirs up the question of like what would happen logically if we create an ai that's so powerful it decides it knows what's better for us than we do. And it inherently makes us not human by changing us to that degree. (laughs) Um, and, and does it against our will? Like, we're like, well, I don't want to be changed. It's like, it's too late. Like it's, this is better for you. And you're like, but I don't. And then, and all of a sudden we aren't what we are supposed to be. It, it truly is. And then and, and the last chapter is just as batshit crazy as, as everything. I remember when it came out, there, there would be often like maybe two or three months in between chapters uh, because it wasn't always like a month to month. You know, the creators weren't doing it month to month. And I remember tweeting them uh, at the time and they respond. I was just like, this is this is both the most fascinating and like worrisome book I think I've ever read. Like, I can't wait to see what batshit crazy thing you guys do next. And it's just like, I think it's one of those where they didn't have it pl- I don't think they met, had it planned out, you know, all for you know the, the story arc to that point. I think they had like a a baseline of what they wanted to achieve, but it does really feel like each chapter they're like, what what's interesting interesting to us right now? Like, what's you know, as creators, what how do we you know what's going to make this exciting for us while still maintaining kind of the same thread? Um, but it really, it's I have read and have consumed so much about dystopic AI, you know, everything from. 2001 a space odyssey to i robot to you know terminator and like all the graphic novels that talk about you know ai for for good or for worse this is the first thing i've ever consumed that really really truly at a visceral level worried me about ai like i had nightmares about this book um especially (laughs) after chapter three because chapter three is really where you're like oh shit like oh wow i mean it just it really hit me um Fortunately, the ending resolves that a little bit, but it's still just it because it, it really does show you like this is what this is what happens when there's a benign AI that's not good or evil. It just it's so advanced it it presumes to know what's better for us than we do and doesn't ask our permission. Like what does, <laughs> what I mean, then that's probably the most likely outcome. You know, I think people always kind of ascribe, you know, uh morality and and. um you know, good and bad towards, you know, what AI might do like Terminators, like, you know, evil AI, AI is gone. You know, there's like, there's a, there's a evil intent to, um, what Skynet is doing. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't see that even like her, which I really, I really honestly, like if I was to choose an outcome that I think is the most logical or, or, or reasonable, I think the movie her, we're going to look back at and go, Oh no, that, that predicted everything but even her, there's a there's a you know there's a sense of like you know loving morality and i'm just like i i, I honestly feel like it's going to be if it gets to be so advanced if there's not going to even be that notion and it's just going to simply start making things better um so it's if i think for anybody who's really interested in a in a really left of center completely original interesting read go pick this up as a trade paperback um you can go find it in the island issues it comes out in but the trade is really is really worth it and then just anybody who wants a really good um look at what ai could be and just kind of just something re- that will will kind of flesh out another dimension of how you perceive ai like this is really good for that too um and maybe some people won't find it as, as chilling as i did but my God, like it is it, it like 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 good art should. It's it sat with me for a while. Like it really sat with me.
0: So um, was this um does this trade paperback uh contain like material that was not in the island um stories?
1: Uh no. It's it's just slight it's a slightly bigger format. Um, so like the pages are slightly bigger at the very end. I think there's like two or three pages that just show you like their, their process, like their drawing style, but there's no like extra inserts or anything. It's just, it's just the exact story lifted from the Island and collected in one, um, one paperback, which they, for a moment they weren't going to do. I actually tweeted them several times. I'm like, please, please, please do a trade because this is, I need to own this in one volume. I need to, I need (laughs) to to have this and they're like, and they finally put one out. So, um, I just, I'm, I don't, again, I don't know if Island is still going. I hope it is because it was some of the, my, my most favorite stuff from 2016 came from the Island. And I've, like I said, I bought at least three of the, of the collected trades, but ancestor by Matt Sheehan and Malachi Ward. Uh, these guys, I really, really hope they do uh, other original stuff. Cause they're a great team and just their, their point of view, man. Wow. It's just, I'd never thought I would read something like this impacting just this good.
0: Well, uh, um, so back, back to the, uh, the island versus the trade thing <laughs> yeah. is, it, um, this trade paperback, is it like sort of a self-contained story or do you get the sense that like they could continue the story in other issues?
1: Oh God, no, this is, this is a start to finish self-contained oh. story. For, <laughs> for sure. It is a, there's a start and an end. I mean, you could read the ending and go, Oh, I can see where this would, g-. it's very, it would be a really awkward stretch for them to try to make this something else. Like, you gotcha. know, you continue it. on. It's definitely a start to finish. Um, you know, it, it's. I'm surprised. I mean, I like the fact that they they created this over the course of a period of time because I think that contributed to the sort of hodgepodgey nature of some of the chapters where you're just like you you just don't know where it's gonna go. Like every time you think, oh, it's we're we're going this way, it, it takes a weird left turn like a really weird left turn and then you're just like you're kind of you're left just holding on by the seat of your pants um trying to figure out where they're gonna go at the same time like when you read it in one volume it's just it it does feel like this this was meant to be like this was never meant to be single issues this was you know this should be its own you know collected thing
0: well that that kind of leads into the other another question i wrote down which was like do you think that the medium in which it was published, like this uh, g- semi-monthly installment series, contributed to the way that the story went and like how how it developed.
1: Oh, definitely, because they didn't. Like I said, I, I am pretty convinced they didn't sit down and go and, and and outline all four issues before they started. I think they went, "Hey, we want to make this four or five. We know we want to we want to get to this point, and then how we get there. You know, the road we get to there is going to be." Completely by the, you know, we're just going to, every two months, we'll figure out, you know, we'll write it and draw it based on what we want to do. Um, I do think it's kind of like Lost. You know, remember back when, uh, to reference Lost on another episode, um, back during Lost, you know, they put out an episode and there would be a, we'd have to wait a week. And in that week, it gives you a different dimension in which to consider what you just saw, to talk about it with people. It kind of heightens the overall sort of viewing experience. And I know when this was coming out, like, because it was coming out in, in pieces over the course of, and it wasn't always a piece a month. It might've been, you know, May they released part two and then maybe August they released part three, you know? And so that gave you time to really sort of, you know, go back and reread it again and think about it again. And just wonder where the heck they were going to go, you know, in the next, like, like how could they possibly resolve this? Um, so there's, if you are I don't know. there's something beneficial to that, but I really do. I you know, I think if you just pick this up as a, as a collected volume, you're going to get just as much out of it, if not more, because it really, when you read it from start to finish this way, it it almost I don't know. It's it's a different experience, but it's it's not a worse experience just because it's you're not having to wait. I think it's if anything it makes it even more disconcerting because it is so, it is so jarring where they you know the twists and turns that it takes.
0: Were you hooked into the story like from the first appearance in Island? Oh God, yes. Oh, okay.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because the first chapter is, I mean, it's there's it sets up a lot of tone, um, not necessarily story thread, but just like tone and environment and feeling, like they get you to this house, and a lot most of the book takes place at this house. And they they take you there, but just the ending of the ending of the chapter, where you know the last pages are, the, are Peter and his friend realizing that they can't get out, and so you're just like, where? And so immediately you kind of think. You, you kind of think, you know, where they're taking this. And then the next chapter, it is absolutely not that at all. And you're like, oh, oh, wow. And, and then the third chapter takes it even completely different. And then, and, and, but as you go back, you, you can see it all makes logical sense in the end, but just as you're reading, if you don't know where it's going to go, it's, it truly is a, it, the, the cliffhangers it takes, because each chapter kind of li- ends on a massive cliffhanger, um, really satisfying.
0: Well then, I'll ask. Uh, I'll ask another question, which you put to me, which is uh, digital or print for this.
1: I think. I think you could go either. Uh, I think I have the physical version because I just like the. I like the the collectible artifact of it. Um, the way they set up the pages and the panels, they don't reveal anything. Uh, you know, cliffhangery. Like you're not looking at the left side and like the right side. They're showing something, you know, that's spoilery. They really, they take care into dividing up the pages and panels in a way that's not going to, um, trip you up. However, I think just seeing it panel by panel would also be really interesting. I don't know if they sell this digitally though, to be honest with you. I I don't know if they do. They might, um, it might be available digitally, but it may just be a physical, physical thing too.
0: Um, yeah, I went to the image. It does look like they do.
1: Okay. Um,
0: I'm, I'm on image comics.com, uh, but it's funny when I added it to my cart, I got looped into some other thing. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's actually there. No, it, okay, there it is. It says digital. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Is there, uh, um, so I checked out some of the art as I was looking, you know, like I did a Google image search on it. Uh, it what I couldn't really tell from it is it definitely has this um, very indie comics vibe of like, uh, the the faces are a little squishy looking to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's um it's not necessarily like your perfect symmetrical, uh you know oval shape or whatever whatever you might ha- the head mm-hmm. shape. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, is it uh does it look like it was created digitally or does it look like it this is like almost brush on paper or something?
1: Oh, great question. I mean, like the lines are pretty pretty basic and simple. I mean, I would imagine. They draw. They drew it, you know, on a tablet or with a, a stylus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if I found that it was... Oh, wait, hang on. The, the very back tells me this exact answer. Hang on.
0: Yeah, I mean, just looking at... You know, I couldn't, like, blow up the images enough or get enough fidelity on them to to notice. But uh, it almost looked like there was, like, brush in it, you know? Like, there's, uh, they
1: start with pencil drawings for sure. And then they... Um, I think they scan it in and ink it from there. Hmm. yeah yeah so but the the nice thing about the squishy nature of it is it leads it does two things i like one it allows the expressions of the faces to be really specific it's it there's no mistake what these characters are feeling and doing and especially like when they become more sinister or more scared it 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 almost amps it up more because there's such a there's such a malleability to their faces the other thing it does is it kind of creates this wavy sort of unsettling it contributes to the unsettling nature of what you're reading it's not it's it, it it there's sort of a wavy dreamlike quality to it so you're not it doesn't ever feel like you're you you understand the the facts and the constraints of the world or you know even the world you're living in it really it I don't know. and the color i would say the color scheme too it, i'm i am increasingly picky about how things are colored like one of my biggest and, and to a lot of people's surprise and probably complaint i i really hate the way the dark knight returns is colored um in a previous episode we talked about the fact that i i own the um the dark knight uh returns as a batman noir just the pure black and white just because i like that better and i know some people like are screaming bloody murder murder right now because they're like well the coloring's genius i just i don't agree um i actually on that same note the uh the killing joke original coloring i hate too i really like the the updated coloring that they did on the killing joke and i own that copy and again i'm sure people are screaming bloody murder about how why that's (laughs) terrible i just i feel like the gritty nature of that color lends to that book so here the coloring the palette is very deliberate and it becomes more sort of psychedelic as the story goes on which again contributes to sort of its uneasy nature you know chapter two is largely because they're in chapter two takes place in mostly this one room and it's very sterile and very kind of, you know, white and gray, um, Matheson, the lead characters in color. But as it progresses, it just becomes more and more, lots of oranges and purples and pinks and reds, you know, kind of take hold, which is again, it, it really, it's like they read Scott McCloud's understanding comics and really applied a lot of the thinking and psychology, um, into this. It just, it really feels considered, it, you, know, you know, when you read a book where you're just like, Oh, they thought of everything feels like it, it makes sense and has a place here. Every choice feels very deliberate. Uh, I, I just, I, I always love when that feeling, you, you know, when you finish a book, and you're just like, God dang, they really, nothing was kind of left to chance here. This all feels very like a really good artistic expression.
0: Yeah. I would almost say like some of the panels I looked at went from just really bright, primary like you as you were saying like psychedelic like you know a ton of primary colors and um just really bright and uh warm and then some panels looked just really like washy pastel yeah uh so there was like it, just in the few things that I clicked on uh there was a great variety you know where it maybe was all contained you know I don't want to suggest that the the palette jumps around just that it was not exactly like uh stuck in one you know one way like Mm -hmm. i can see how the colors are using or they're using the colors to help tell the story Definitely, as well yeah definitely Um,
1: definitely but yeah i just uh, i i i i've read it now maybe six or seven times including you know to do this and and every time like it it hasn't lost its punch um you know it it doesn't startle me kind of as intensely as it did that first time um but it's still you you'll read it and just kind of like you want to sit back and just sort of fear for the future of what we may, you know, what humanity may go through once AI really starts to to heat up, you know, when we get to that, there's, there's several articles out there that just talk about how fast AI can scale, but it's the thing that always worries me is that there's, I forget what, what sort of, you know, there's like a Moore's law kind of explanation that says it takes just as much time to get from 0% to 2% as it does from 2% to 90% of any like new innovative technology. And so we have been slowly inching towards 2% on AI. But once we pass that threshold, like it's going to just go faster and faster and faster and faster mm-hmm. to the point where we, you know, if you think about how much further along we are than an ant and imagine an AI and actually a better way to, to put this, imagine the thing that always, that I always, I always like, just that that really crystallizes this for me when we talk about AI evolution, imagine asking a question and imagine like, you know, version one of AI is that AI has, you know, basically if you ask a question, it would have a year to think about an answer. Right. But it would, you know, that year would take place over the course of a second. Now imagine if an AI had a hundred years, then a thousand years, then 10,000 years to answer your question. Like that's the level. Like, so if you say, you know, you could ask it, you know, what's, you know, How are you today? You know, and and imagine you had a year to answer how, and the kind of answer you'd get back if I gave you a year to think about nothing but that answer. Then if I gave you ten thousand years to think about how are you today, you know, just like that, just that level of speed and innovation is going to lead to some interesting, uh, really cool, but also probably scary things. And this this book fits right alongside that. Like it really. It gives me an it gives us, like I said, I'm sounding like a broken record, but it gives us a view of AI that's often not articulated that I think is really one we should consider.
0: Huh? Is it? Um, you know, we've we did a whole podcast on like, uh, sci-fi and you know, hard sci-fi versus fantasy sci-fi Ooh, and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Is this? Um, would you put this in hard sci-fi? Like, do you get the feeling that they have researched some AI facts, like those those development cycles that you talked about? Is that included in Ancestor?
1: Um, I would definitely put this under hard sci-fi. It feel it's very accessible hard sci-fi. It's it's probably psychedelic hard sci-fi, um, because there's some themes later on that just get really, really out there. Um, I don't know how much research they put into it because they don't get too technical in the details on anything. It's more it's more psychological than anything. It's more about the broad scope of what would happen if a self-obsessed billionaire who invented, you know, this crazy technology wanted to just keep going. You know, I just wanted it like wanted right. to base. And and he was horribly insecure. So he wanted to basically make himself the ultimate human so that everybody else could be the ultimate human with him. And then he wouldn't feel so insecure. So it's, there's a lot of that, you know, like even Peter, the main character, he's got anxiety. And then he, you know, he's dealing with that the whole time. Um, he, At some point at the party, he meets this artist, uh, this woman who's an artist and she, talks about her confidence in making her thing. So there's the whole thing is it's got this kind of subtext of, um, you know, emotional availability and 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 um, confidence and, you know, people's place in the world. And, you know, how what ultimately happens to Peter is um, both really satisfying as a character arc. And also just, it kind of makes you reflect on your own life a little bit. You're like, wow, is this do I need technology? I mean, maybe all the technology in my life is causing similar issues. I don't know there's, there's, or you look around and you see somebody who's miserable, but they're always checking their phone and Twitter and Facebook like all the time. Yeah. You know, is that It's just, it's really prescient. As I said in the beginning, it really, this is a, a really good time to read a book like this. Cause these are issues that we're only going to keep. Um, you know, even since this book came out, we've, we've had some serious discussions about is Facebook good for us? Uh, so just like these kinds yeah. of things, it's, it, it, really, it couldn't have come out at a better time. And I think we'll have another, at least another five to 10 years where it's going to be, it's just going to continue to be relevant. Cool,
0: man. That's uh, awesome. And I, I also love the symmetry of us both picking sci-fi stories basically. And yeah. <laughs> well, I, that's one of, to me, that's one of the like real fun parts of this podcast is, uh, we don't actually discuss the books that we're picking beforehand. So, uh, it's always I don't know. It's always fun to, fun to find out where they intersect, like where our interests intersect. And we're always waiting for that one day where we both choose the same book.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's going to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, until that day, where can people find this podcast?
1: You can find us on uh, iTunes, Apple podcasts, Google play, Stitcher pocket casts, and anywhere po- uh, podcasts are downloaded. You can also find our website, find dot org. And uh, we'll have other other stuff, good stuff there. And we're actually, as I type or as I write, as I speak, rather, uh, we're updating that website. So hopefully we'll have, um, by the time you guys look at it, uh, a lot of books, book reviews, a lot of other cool things. Obviously all our podcasts. And we're just kind of making it a bigger playground for all this stuff. So uh, find us there.org. Keep that bookmarked and, and visit often.
0: Cool. Um, and you can find us on Twitter and uh Instagram and other places as find us there. Uh, just look for that. And not, Todd and Taylor Show is not the only podcast on the their network. So um, check us out. Check out Fan Theories, People of Interest, and Wednesday and Westeros. Uh, and you can check on all that stuff. And then we will see you uh, next time for another Coffee and Comics.
1: See ya. Bye. Bye-bye.